Guys, I want to get loud all of a sudden. I, I'm Do it. Sorry, I'm loud. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat. I knew it was coming. I'm sorry, guys. Can't hold I need back. to do that. It is. It is. You feel like Poseidon chucking that bugger down. <laughs> <laughs> chucking that bugger. Did Boy. you butt out that deer? I did not butt out that deer, but the next one I get, okay, I'm just getting his butt out. Is that little Stevie out here? Uh, <laughs> Drobop. <laughs> Bow drop. I'm sorry. Bop. <laughs> Hello. Stay tuned. I'll be back after my seizure. <laughs> Every little chipmunk that was running around, everything's dead quiet, and I went <laughs> like that. Just happened. Just happened. I saw what is in essence a nature gasm. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Sonic Campfire with the Rutten River Pursuits podcast. I'm Kyle, and to my left I have... I'm Steve. I'm Will. This is Dave. I'm Catfish. Guys, I'm pretty excited about the guest that we have tonight. You don't uh, say. I, I am. He's a PA native and a fellow podcaster. Really? Ain't that yeah. something? Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Bo Martonic. How's it going, Bo? Nice. Hey, Bo. Good, guys. What's going on tonight? Oh, not a whole lot. Living the dream. We uh, the wet dream. (laughs) It's not. It's not. It's not (laughs) inaccurate this week. No, unfortunately, the show must go on regardless. And uh, we made some stuff happen. I actually got water with all this flood, with all the flooding going on. I got water in my basement, so um, the podcast was in jeopardy. But we we got her back on track. Yeah, we forgot. We had so much rainbow. The the Susquehanna was at level four four foot like four foot one not six days ago and now it's eighteen yeah. three in just five really? days. Yeah. It's and, that and bad. Climbing. And climbing, yep. On Sunday it was like, yeah, four foot. We got wow. we got almost five, six inches of rain here in one day and it's just been raining for what, seven days or something. Yeah, Seems like it. Ground That's crazy. It it hasn't rained here much at all. Where are you at, Bo? Oh, it I'm over by Pittsburgh now. I okay. work uh, just just north of Pittsburgh during the week, and yeah, we haven't had that much rain. I mean, just some quick thunder showers, and that's about it. Wow! Wow! Well, good for you. It's, yeah, I'll say it's miserable. <laughs> yeah, sorry, to rub that in. But <laughs> no, my you're not. Is not flooded. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hershey Park, Hershey Park here in Hershey, Pennsylvania, is like underwater. Sweetest place on earth. Yeah. It is. I thought it was just a looks, marketing scheme. Chocolate no, River. It looks like a chocolate river running through the place. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Thank you, Swatera Creek. That thing floods all Pine Pine Grove got nasty floods, like the whole town's flooded out. Wow. Anyhow, so we had some water in the in the podcast room that we had to deal with today and it's pleasantly it's, uh, humid down here. Yeah, we're back yeah. on track. Every, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy. Yeah. So you got the rubber boots on. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I got slippers on. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> you always podcast on slippers. slippers. So, Bo, we said you're a fellow podcaster, right? Yeah. Tell us about your podcast. Give us a thirty thousand yeah, so, um, foot overview. I started a podcast called East Meets West Hunt. And it just launched July 1st, so it's, it's relatively new. Yeah. Uh, so the podcast, the basis of it is I, I grew up in north central Pennsylvania, and I basically hunted, you know, big woods, whitetails, turkey, bear, everything my whole life. 
and mm-hmm. never really did much more than that. Just, just hunted at home, thought, you know, that's the way that it was. And a few years ago, I got the bug to want to try to go out West and, and hunt elk for the first time. So I, I, I planned the trip and went out with my brother and my cousin and just spent seven days in the Colorado backcountry, just, just backpacked in on some public land and, uh, hunted elk and we didn't kill anything, but it was just, it was an awesome experience. It was something that, you know, basically changed my life, but made me want to do a whole bunch of more, you know, adventure style hunts. That one hunt so did. To, you well, I, it, there, there was more to it. So I, uh, I went on that hunt and yeah. it was, it was literally, it was an awesome experience. I mean, it was, it was so much harder than I ever would have imagined. And it also just, I just got the bug. I don't know what it was. I just wanted to do more of it. And I, so I went out this, this past year, 2017 and went, went on it again. But uh, actually I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. When I right when I got back from that trip, I wrote a story on it. I just basically for myself, just so I just to remember all the details of it. And, and I submitted it to an online uh, magazine called the journal mountain hunting. And just as a subscriber story, and they ended up picking it to run the article. And when I did that, I got a ton of feedback on it from guys in Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, Virginia, all the Eastern States. And really cool. So everyone was asking me after that story that, that it was, you know, it's real expensive. How do you do that? Blah, blah, blah. I wish I could do that. And, and I was, you know, it really wasn't that expensive to do something like that when you do, you know, buy yourself or, or do it yourself style hunts rather than going with an outfitter. And cause I, I was going out there more for just the experience of doing it. I've never been west of the mississippi before so that was like okay. a, a you know big deal to do that and and just seeing the mountains and everything was so cool so i wrote that story anyways and 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 i got a lot of good feedback on it and then after that the the editor reached out to me and was like hey that that story did really well would you be interested in writing um some more for me about like from an eastern perspective so I kind of went on as a field editor, writing monthly articles about hunting, you know, whitetails in the Appalachian Mountains and, and planning trips out west and some other different things. And that just kind of blew up into doing some more writing and went out west this past year in, in 2017. And when I was out there, I was like, I want to I was like, I, I want to be able to help other people, you know, do these style hunts because everyone just thinks that I have all this money or something that I could do that. And it's definitely not the case. You know, I just, just drive out my truck, pack my stuff and just hike with my bow in the mountains. It's no different than hunting in Pennsylvania other than there's a 27 hour drive and, and everything in between, you know, and the, and the tag costs a little bit more. So that's, I mean, that's really the only difference in my opinion so I, I was like, I want to, I want to do something. With That's it. a big I difference. Is it really 27 hours? Wow. Wow. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. And I, I was driving straight through, but, uh, good on it, you, bud. Jeez. It's a long, it's a long trip, but it, it was just, it was cool to do that. So yeah. I, I really wanted to, again, just help out other people be able to do that. And I love podcasts. I freaking, I've been listening to podcasts since 2014, maybe. And I was like, I'd like to do my own podcast, but kind of just, you know, stepped around. It wasn't really sure. I'm like, I don't know, you know, a whole lot about this. I haven't even killed an elk. How am I supposed to, you know, make a podcast, you know? 
And then I was just, I, I just got it in me in January. I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend that I know anything more than I do. Yeah. You know, talk about what I know and interview people. Like I would want to get that information from them. So I said, I'm, I just want to get a bunch of guests from a lot of them from the East coast, some from the West and talk about, you know, how to plan different style hunts, but also not just from a Western style from Eastern, the Appalachian mountains in this whole region, you know, through Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, New York, all those places have awesome places to hunt that's never, you know, publicized or talked about. And so, you know, if you say you just had a kid or anything else, you can't get away for longer than three days or whether it's work, can't get vacation. You can find those type of things, you know, you know, in your backyard, um, per se. But and so I wanted to, to really get into that. And I started this podcast again, long story short, started uh, this podcast around it. And um, it's it's been really awesome. It's been an awesome experience. I've recorded about a little over 20 so far, but only released. I think I released my seventh one yesterday. Nice. Uh, I just banked up a lot of them at the total archery challenge in seven Springs. And been, uh it's been pretty cool. Oh, we should have gone. We wanted, we uh, say that every year. Every year. <laughs> why yeah. are we say there? Every year. I don't know why we, yeah. Uh, I think you guys were in Canada. Well, this year <laughs> we left for Canada. Yeah. 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 But, but, you know, we, that's something that is worthwhile. And Definitely. maybe you can tell us a little bit more about it. Um, but that's yeah, a, about that the, Seven Springs. That's, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, man. That total archery challenge. I've, I've been going there for three years now. And I, I, I work for an archery shop on the side. Just I work for Bucks and Bows Archery outside of Pittsburgh. And I uh, so I started going down with them three years ago to work a booth basically that they had there at the time total archery challenge was super small and it's a it's a 3d archery shoot that goes through the ski resort of seven springs in pennsylvania and uh so they have these courses that are set up extremely challenging you have your mm -hmm. normal locals course they call it which is more like your regular 3d shoot and then they have some like different sponsored courses around that have extremely difficult shot so anywhere from the one course has anywhere from 40 to 120 yard shots wow yeah wow. so you, you when we were there working as an archery shop let's just say that you make a lot of money in arrows you bring your saw with you i think that's right i don't go because well, the, i would just spend a paycheck on arrows the whole yeah the one easily the one place that me and will go to the bow hunter uh what's Brickerville. Brickerville. Yeah. Yes, in Brickerville. They had that like 80, 90 yard shot, remember, at the lion across the pond, oh, downhill. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like, they right, like an elk and a lion. Yeah, it was really cool. It was, yeah, it was like an elk and a lion, like kind of put up on the back of it, like it was attacking it. Yeah. And that's a cool. lot of guys were shooting right under it in the water, like, because they had them right on the, but that was a, that was a cool shot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fun. But I mean, like you want to cry because how much arrows and everything cost, you know, just to be sending them down range like that. But it, uh, I, I started practicing a lot further shots just because of going out West and you never know kind of what you're going to get into. But yeah, it's uh it's such a fun experience. So like this last year, it was huge. I think there was somewhere close to 2000 people that walked wow. through that, the door there. I mean, it wow. was, it was crazy. And you and, said you podcasted while you were there. 
Yeah, I had a booth. I had a booth set up. Um, that I was lucky last minute. I was telling uh, my buddy Rob Chalinski, who works that he basically runs the Total Archery Challenge there, um, and he was like, "What idea do you have?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm starting up this business, you know, a podcast." And he's like, "Well, do you want to set up a booth?" And I was like, "Man, that's a month away, and I don't even have equipment yet." And he's like, "Well, figure it out." <laughs> and so I I made it happen, and you know, got all the stuff I needed. It made me pull the trigger and really start focusing on it. So I started lining up guests ahead of time, some people that I knew I wanted to talk to. Just I just sat and recorded there. So I also sell apparel that that I designed. I always like. I have a, like a million hats, I think. So I decided to learn how to do some graphic design work and design, you know, hats and shirts. So I was selling those there and uh, just doing that and podcasting for three days. So it was, it was awesome. That's yeah, sweet. Man. Sounds like a great time. Anyone yeah. you podcasted with there that you want to kind of give us a little bit of a teaser on upcoming episode? Well, the, the first one I released that was uh, from there was with, Brian Call from the Gritty Bowman podcast and um, Jordan Harbertson, who's one of the owners of Mountain Ops. Okay. So I, I recorded cool. one in, in their hotel room that night, which was was pretty big for me. It was a really good conversation. Um, it was more, it w- wasn't like entirely about hunting, but it was just about like the process of, you know, me starting up this business and everything else and, you know, taking risks in life. So that was, that was cool. And uh, it had a ton of good podcasts also with uh, you guys just had him on recently, Greg Litzinger. Yeah. 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 About that guy. Yeah. So Greg's an awesome dude. And so Greg and I sat down and talked and there was just, I think I recorded with 12 different people there. Um, yeah. There was a, a Stefan Capriletti's from your guys' way. Do you know him at all? No, no. You got to introduce what was his, us. What's his name again? Stefan Caprilletti. He Why works that for familiar? Canadi Taxidermy and Sicky Gear. Okay. And uh and he and he killed a, a bear in Pennsylvania last year and and some other stuff. So we talked cool. about that a lot. It was a it was a really good show though. Like I, I would just you know, basically just, you know, confronted people as, as they were around ones that I knew that I wanted to talk to. And when you confront them in person, they're not going to say no. No, that's yeah, the only that's, way to do it. That is. <laughs> this goes right along with this podcast. It's like the perfect guy to, to tell it to. But, you know, one of the th- maybe we can sit and talk off air one of these days, Bo. But one of the things that I find when I went to Alaska to hunt is, like you said, preparation. I mm-hmm. don't know. Now, the the Total Archery Challenge and all the stuff I've seen your Facebook page. I mean, I mean you're I'm not going to say you're out of shape, but you got to be in shape to go hunt out west. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you look like you're ready to go elk hunting. <laughs> and I think that people you can buy the best equipment, you can have the best plans, the best pre-made food, whatever the but you got to get in shape. And when I went to Alaska to hunt doll sheep, there was nothing there's no stair climb or anything that can prepare you to climb those mountains. Like it's, I bet it's mentally distracting from the hunt sometimes from the, the sheer fatigue that your legs and your hips go through your lower back. Um, if you're not, is there anything you do to go out West to hunt elk to prepare 
uh, to do those types of things because it's a lot of climbing. I have everything but the fitness. Right. Yeah, we own everything <laughs> but the fitness part. You can't buy. You can't buy the fitness part. Right? I no, wish. and, and, and the funny it. thing is, I mean, even if you're not in shape, you can hunt out there. Like, I don't ever want to make it sound like you can't, but. If you want to make it easier on yourself and not hate every second of it, it's a good idea to get in shape. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so, do you prep for those trips at all? Like, oh like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I work out just about every day, but it's a lot different than like when, when I was back in college and everything else where I just, you know, would lift weights where now it's like, it's specific to hunting. And I, I do a lot of a lot of hiking, which is underweight on the pack to help, really? you know, build those hip flexors in your lower back and your core and really focus on those areas as, as well as I do some running and some other stuff for, for cardio. But, um, for the most part, I, I don't go to the gym anymore. I just, I have some kettlebells at the house and sandbags and just, uh, and also built uh, a box. It's like a 16 inch step up box. Mm-hmm. So when I can't like go out for a hike, cause you know, that, takes time and driving somewhere i'll just put weight in my backpack and just sit there and do as many step-ups until i'm so bored that i can't even you know think (laughs) you can only step (laughs) up onto a box and look at a wall so many times it was so helpful that's what listening to podcasts are for yeah 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 that's true we might need some of those sandbags here in central pa you're not kidding it was was, yeah for (laughs) all that rain speaking of alaska (laughs) bo you were just up there earlier this year, weren't you? Yeah, I was there last month. Uh, jealous. Oh, um, did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was inside, bud. Yeah. <laughs> Alaska is, is insane. And you were just saying you were up there and it's, I, I can't even, you know, put it in words. I, my whole life I've wanted to go to Alaska and my grandfather actually lived up there for a while and was a fire jumper. So, oh man, and he always told stories about Alaska and everything. And, and he's like, you got to go if you ever get a chance. So my brother is in the military and he's been up there a bunch of times. And we got this opportunity to go up there with a company called Heather's choice that I work with and that they make backpacking meals. Um, so that they asked us to go up there They're they live in Anchorage and it was like a month's notice. And I was like, well, geez, I don't, really have the, the you know money off to the side just to fly to alaska but uh i, yeah, just, I don't think southwest does a 69 dollar round trip there dude no, it's like no they do not <laughs> not at all did you check northwest thinking all the all <laughs> 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 right after sinking all the money into my podcast equipment oh, and everything. Yeah. So it wasn't at a good time let's put it that tell way tell us about it <laughs> but uh but luckily, you know, I don't, I don't have like any real responsibilities as far as, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids and I don't own a house. So I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So I, so I just went and, and did it. My brother and I went up there and it was, it was an awesome experience. Didn't do any hunting, which I will. I'll never probably go there again without hunting because getting a black bear tag is extremely easy. For really? you know, someone out of state, the season never closes, and wow. and at least at least in the part of the state I was in, what? it runs from wow. July first to June thirtieth. Jesus, so, I might know a guy yeah. that could show you some spots. I still re- <laughs> I still remember my memory even back then, kind of where to go and what to do in the different okay. camps we were in. Sure, as long as I could get to Smoky Creek, and as long as I could get down, 
you know, in those areas because it's all nobody owns it. Those little short runways for those Piper Cubs and float planes, anybody can go out and do a self hunt. Yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. as, as long as I could get to the same places, I, I totally remember the valleys, the Dull Sheep Valleys. I, were, I, I lived up there for a while working for an outfitter. So, you know, oh, I, okay. I got I got to do it every day from, and it was extremely. It's a lot like people that say that fishing's addicting, like guys that say salt salt life like salts in your blood once you become mm-hmm. an, you know a, a long liner fisherman whatever you know a waterman a crabber they they can't do anything else and alaska's a lot like that you hunt it once or twice they say it about africa once you hunt africa you're drawn back to it and uh it is every time somebody says i was just in alaska i feel it it's like oh i'm jealous i want to go back mm. yeah it um it, it was yeah it was one of those things that yeah, I, I didn't want to leave. And I was only there for a short period of time. It was like five days um, just because of uh, vacation from work and everything. I couldn't couldn't get off. But it was just it was so cool. And the, just the first day we were out there, went on a hike and and we saw what we thought what we're pretty sure is a grizzly bear. My brother won't confirm it because he said he, he you know, he, he needed to have a little bit better of a picture of it. And I didn't have my binoculars, but. Um, we were walking down this valley and, and we look up there. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's a brown bear. And we, we couldn't tell. It was a little bit far away. Anyways, we walked off and we ran into a, a hiker coming down the trail. And she was like, hey, be careful. There was just a big brown bear sighting in here chasing a, a calf moose around. And I was like, well, I think that was him. Yep. <laughs> oh, but uh, it was just like, well, I'm not in Pennsylvania anymore at that yeah. point. You know, so... <laughs> No, yeah, it was. It gives you it that feeling cool. that you're not on the top of the food chain anymore, right? No, definitely not. The last morning we were there, I was laying in my tent, and it was during the summer solstice uh, there, so it was 24 mm. hours of daylight, right? And so I'm laying in my tent trying to sleep. I don't know what time it was. It was I think it was like four in the morning, and uh, I heard the dogs barking, and I didn't think anything of it. I just laid there. And eventually, about 15 minutes later, I got up and I had to go to the bathroom and I walked outside, you know, went off in the woods, came back and and uh, the the neighbor that was in the house next to I, I was in a tent in someone's yard. But uh, the neighbor came over and was like, hey, there was just a big grizzly, you know, in the yard next to your tent. And I was like, oh, that's, oh. that's great. <laughs> I'm glad I'm going home. <laughs> Sneaky buggers. I die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy. And all I had was my knife. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to go down fighting, but I'm probably not going to come out on top. No. <laughs> get down <laughs> fighting, though, at least. You had it right. That's Absolutely. Something. Now, Bo, to get back on uh, kind of hunting out west in the get mountains. Get back on that, Kyle. I'm, Just, getting ba- I'm getting there. Get to the getting. Obviously, you know, you're really into being prepared and, you know, training for your hunts. What what was your first trip out there like as far as a learning standpoint? Was it just like a giant slap in the face or was it fairly easy to prepare for? So it was a little bit of both. Um, it was a big slap in the face from the standpoint of preparing to be at, you know, 11,000 feet elevation no matter how good I thought I was in shape was was a struggle. I mean, I got out at a rest stop to, uh, to, to, uh, use the restroom there and started walking. I'm like breathing heavy. I'm like, Oh, this isn't good. You know? And, yeah. uh, Welcome so to my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And that's in the Chesapeake Bay area. Yeah, it's at sea level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So from that standpoint, the mountains are way bigger than I could have imagined. I mean, you can look at Google Earth all you want, but they're way bigger than you expect. Yeah. And and also just like when, when you're kind of just I mean, I wasn't alone. I was with my brother and my cousin. But when you're just like completely disconnected for that long and you're dealing with these, you know, rainstorms, snowstorms, just dropping temperature, this and that. And, you know, no comforts that you're used to having. You know, when you wait to hunt, you come home and sleep in your bed every night or doing this. I mean, it was it was eye opening for me. So from that standpoint, it was difficult. And there's a lot of, you know, miserable times when you're just tired. I mean, everything's steep and a uh, deadfall everywhere. So that I was hunting in a wilderness area. So there's no logging. There's nothing. It's just a bunch of down timber. You know, when a tree falls, it just falls. And it was so that there was a lot of that climbing in and out of logs and, and thick, you know, pine trees and everything. And that was that was tough. But from a, a standpoint of where I felt like I was really prepared was I, uh, I did a lot of, you know, researching on elk behavior and how to find elk and all this stuff. I mean, I read everything. I listened to podcasts and we were able to find elk. So that was cool. I had marked, I had marked on my, on my app, um, like the locations of where I thought they would be betting just based off of, again, my knowledge of reading stuff and listening to people. And Mm -hmm. we found elk there. So like the first night, uh, I bugled down into this Canyon and wasn't really hearing anything. And I was, we were filming that trip actually is the only time I ever filmed a hunt probably the last time, but (laughs) I heard, uh, we shut the camera off and all of a sudden a, a bugle lit up in the Valley. And I, it was just like, it just, put chills up and down your arms you're just like how about wow like i just drove all the way across you know the country and went to this little spot on a map that i picked out and i found a bull you know so it had so the the, where the learning curve was there is we got in on the elk uh five out of the seven days that we were there which is pretty good but i just you know just screwed it up every time because i had no experience with what to do when you're actually within that hundred yard range, you know, to get into, get into bow range. Yeah. But so when you say bow range, do you mean your range or, or <laughs> no, range? my compound bow range? <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. I'm following Yeah, No, bow range is only like six feet. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So it, have- no, that was, it was so cool though. I mean, uh, the whole experience was, and again, that's what just drove me to it. It was like, and I've heard this analogy a lot, but it's true. It's like, you know, hunting an 800 pound turkey that just, you know, <laughs> screams all the time. And, uh, and it, it, the, the behavior of the elk is what I've really focused on going forward. And this past year, when I went out there, I had even more close encounters, you know, even under 20 yards. It's just, I didn't, you know, draw at the right time or this or that. I, I figured out that, when you're hunting out there, um, uh, at least at least for elk hunting, you never really have a great opportunity. You need to be able to take care of good opportunities and know when to draw your bow. And you know, not like you know, with a whitetail, you know, you're, you're ranging things ahead of time. You, you can't do that. You just got to be. You got to know. You know, you got to practice. You know, 3D and everything all summer, and get good at judging yardage, and and be ready to 
to draw back and, and execute the shot and when the when the opportunity comes. So that was like the biggest thing for me was learning that, learning how the thermals work in the mountains and everything along those lines was was a, a huge learning curve. But to to kind of circle back to your question there, it it's it's hard. It took a lot of planning, but when you look back at it, it's it's easier than you think. It must as be super as like a, rewarding a too, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's a like it's all a that effort is just going to go. Is is you're going to see that effort pay yeah. off, even without yeah. a kill. I mean, that effort yeah. is going to be shown. Yeah, I mean, and, and now you know this year it's my third year, and there's it's a hundred percent success rate. I heard so. After you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least that's what I'm telling myself. It's a charm. <laughs> I heard it's a charm. It is a charm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> third time. So basically, I'm not coming home unless I kill an elk. Don't do it. Yeah. I know a good real estate agent out there. If you, you do, if you want the number, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk offline. That's All Deke's right. side deals. He gets cuts on everything. <laughs> I, I, I can't afford much, so I'm going to live out of my truck most likely. It's not a bad but, strategy. Yeah. But we, we talk to a lot of folks about hunting and, you know, the, typically the normal stuff, you know, whitetail, turkey, some bear, you know, elk every once in a while. But we've, I don't think we've ever talked at length with anyone about rattlesnake hunting and there's a reason for that and there's a reason (laughs) for that (laughs) i i've actually reached out to a few folks and zero response and i can't tell i can count on one hand how many times i've had zero response you know it's all been rattlesnake it's all been these rattlesnake hunters it's it's getting popular in pennsylvania yeah so they're kind of they might be territorial maybe maybe are you willing to talk about that bill absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) next question please (laughs) no uh, no it's funny you say that though before i talk about rattlesnake hunting i uh i'd posted a picture on facebook i'd to uh spoil the story i killed a rattlesnake this year and uh nice i I posted a picture with it Mm -hmm. and i you know put on there i was like oh you know i cooked the snake up you know i i tanned the skin and everything like it was you know it was an awesome time and some guy, I wasn't even friends with him on Facebook. I don't know how he, you know, got on there, but he just starts tearing me apart. And I started looking at his, his profile and he's like a snake whisperer, basically. It oh, seems like, uh, but like, he like is super weird about it. And he was telling me how I was handling the snake wrong. And I'm like, dude, I'd, I'm not really a snake hunter. I just, uh, you know, I just wanted to do it and, and have been trying the last couple of years, but anyways, yeah, they get, uh, they get extremely territorial about stuff. That, that has to be like good preparation for your hunts out West, that hiking, like wild snake hunting. Cause you're in some deep area yeah. normally, um, off the beaten path, probably rocking and down yeah, in, definitely rocking. down in Huntington. There's so many rattlesnakes, but they're hard to get to. Cause yeah. it is, it's up shell cliff. Like, like, right. the, 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 oh man, it's this, tough. I mean, this these, is, these are foothills over here compared to what what's this out is off the to topic, it. but this is kind of PA, yeah, kind of yeah. PA ish kind of thing. Catfish. Yeah, so this is north north central Pennsylvania. Well, I'm just catfish is like down in Huntington, and we're all like you know over in Huntington, right? Yeah. Or but it's like yeah. everything's down, like down the state. College. I, I say the we're, same thing. Yeah, it's down there. You know? I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. and, and every, yeah. everybody in everybody in Pittsburgh, because you you know I'm from northern Pennsylvania. They say you're from up north, up up there, up, up north. Now, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? we're going <laughs> down the area, down the area, down there. Don Air. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, right. uh, the snakes, you know, they're definitely in some remote places. But like the, the one I ended up ended up catching and, and killing was on a logging road. Like, so it wasn't, it was just I, I, in the weirdest place. Like all these rock piles we went to, everything, never found a snake. And then, you know, coming back out right on one of the logging roads, it was just, laid out on there in the shade that's how i yeah. found the female i found i it, it from 20 30 feet away i thought it was a stick laying across you know the tram road and she was just laying there sunning herself she didn't really care until we got a little closer and she coiled up she didn't rattle at us or anything she i don't know if she just ate or what but she wasn't aggressive at all so but yeah it was the same thing i mean you're looking for them everywhere while you're hiking around and then it's on the road it's like on the tram road what, yeah, exactly. What, what's some of the rules? I know that they're, uh, that rattlesnake hunting comes with a whack of rules. Don't kiss it on the face. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Jimmy, don't Jimmy Houston a rattlesnake. Don't try to don't tickle its it. rattle. <laughs> well, but you mean legal rules for Pennsylvania. Lip it like oh, a, those rules. Like, yeah. Lip it like a bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so besides those rules, which are very important too, you definitely don't want to kiss a rattlesnake on the face. <laughs> and, uh, but from a legal standpoint, uh, you, you're allowed to take one rattlesnake per year in Pennsylvania with a valid permit. So you have to submit an application to the, the fish and boat commission. Okay. And, and so you send $25 in a check and they send you back this packet, this giant packet full of rules, learning about snakes, everything. It's a pretty, it's pretty cool. Cause you, you do get to get a little background on snakes in Pennsylvania and everything else. But so anyways, you're allowed to take one snake a year with that permit, but there's also a catch to that. They have to be at least 42 inches long and a male. So my first thought was, how am I supposed to tell if a rattlesnake's a male or female? And Deke, it's like, <laughs> it's over 22 or 23 like rings by its tail. I figure what, there's a special name for that though, right? Yeah, it's, it's, there's 21 or more subcaudal scales, subcaudal which scales. goes from their vent to the rattles. And so, again, I'm sure you can kind of pick up on the, the hard part about that is how am I supposed to yeah. check that when I'm alive? You know, so, so when you find a snake, I have like these tongs basically that you. That I hope they're like forty feet long. <laughs> did you get? Did you get them? Yeah, from they're Traeger? like a, you know a foot and a half. They're the extra <laughs> long trigger tongs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the ones you pick apples with. No. <laughs> but they. Uh, so you grab a snake with the tongs, and then you need to put his head into a tube to be able to. That's probably fairly easy to do, right? They don't mind that. Oh, they love going in. Too. <laughs> They're extremely happy about it. <laughs> well, the first year, I was like, I don't need it. I went out in 2015 with a yeah. friend of mine, and I was like, I don't need a tube. I can just use a, some PVC pipe. Well, there's a lot. Listen, there's a lot. There's a big reason on why it needs to be a clear, flexible tube. Once you can see where the snake's at inside the tube, <laughs> that's probably the biggest one. And two, you need to be able to kind of clamp down on it so he can't back out on you. 
So the first year it didn't work out and I, I never ended up getting one cause I couldn't count his scales, you know, cause I, I couldn't get a hold of them. Anyways, your buddy didn't leave you, let him borrow his tube. Like, Oh, he's not, he's not a rattlesnake hunter. Really. He just knew where some dens oh, were oh, geez. Okay. and, uh, and, and he knows where to find them at and everything. And he, he likes them, but never, never wants to kill them. And, so he, uh, so he didn't tell me anything. So you were just I, like, I found, you're I like, found look this. away, bud, look away. <laughs> yeah. I started looking online and, uh, started seeing people using these clear tubes and, yeah. and I looked it up online and there was, uh, you could buy snake tubes at like these pet stores online for like 50 bucks. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's a so chunk I, of cheese I, for snake. Yeah. Tube. Dang. And, and I'm like, there's got to be something else. Well, I read where yeah. a guy uses a fluorescent light bulb tube. So the sleeves for fluorescent light bulbs, oh, they're like $2, they're $2 at Lowe's. So I bought one. And the biggest they had was two and a half inches in diameter. I was like, well, I hope I don't catch a real big snake. <laughs> and I did. Uh, <laughs> the snake I caught was, I don't know what the diameter of it was, but it was 52 inches long. Oh, wow. Good and so night. Legal is forty-two inches. Just don't and suck it in and get in. <laughs> well, luckily their head's smaller, so like it, it fit in there for about a foot of it, and I was able to clamp down, you know, on the on the other part of the, I guess the neck or their whole body's in neck, but <laughs> up by the grab head. onto his neck. They call yeah. it the, the giraffe of reptiles. <laughs> <laughs> I think but I caught him by the shoulders. <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird when you put them in there though, because you're like, I have a snake right now in my hand that could kill me if he gets his head out. Yeah, and their their bodies are so strong, so I'm holding on to the tail, trying to count this, and uh, I ended up counting and it had 22, and I was like, yes, that's legal. Bingo. And, yeah, and then Yahtzee. <laughs> put the tape measure on him and saw how big he was and i'm like oh geez wait, like, wait, wait, back up bo how do you put a tape measure on a snake with a plastic hat on it that's <laughs> rolling all over the place you know yeah you have a buddy i had a buddy with me all right and, uh, so you like, like, like a tape it. measure like literally you throw it slap a tape measure on uh, like it's one of those probably those sewing board. tapes it's like probably yeah well you can special see, yeah, one on you amazon for snakes <laughs> You can see the snake's head inside the tube. Yeah. So you just put it up alongside of that and then run it down the tail. Oh, and I straightened man. him out the best that I could. And he was, I mean, even if he was all curled up, he was still over 42. So what's it the, was, uh, what's the vent? Take a guess. The rear vent? Is that the, is it the cloaca? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, sure. it's, it's the butt, it's the butthole. Of the snake. <laughs> gotcha. It's where he vents. <laughs> Yeah, he does other stuff. He does there. other stuff out of it. Exactly. Yeah, Texas and, uh, heart shot. What, was so it a uh, black phase? That first. It was a yellow phase. Oh, nice. I could totally see Stevie getting in trouble the way he measures bass if he's measuring <laughs> if he's measuring <laughs> rattlesnakes the same. But I'm I'm telling you, it was 22. <laughs> the warden's like it was like 16. Man, stretch it shrunk. Pull on it. Pull on it. He shrunk in the cooler. Straighten the tail out. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's, Ground it's definitely a, a weird process to be able to do it but yeah it was cool. I, so so what'd you do with it from there because of course like make candles you, out of it you want to hear the business <laughs> you no know, but i mean did you like do you put it in a bag and throw it in your backpack and hike out like what'd you do with a snake after it's in a tube and you tape measured it and you knew it was legal 
So, yeah, at that point, I, again, from reading, they say, oh, or in watching videos, like, yeah, you just put it in the, the bag alive, and then you go home and put it in your freezer to kill it. Okay. And, and I, once I saw how strong he was and everything else, trying to get him in that little bag wasn't, you know, going to work. Was it like the size <laughs> of like a pillowcase bag? Like Who a, the hell yeah. freezes rattlesnakes? My <laughs> luck, yeah, I'd, I'd get it out and throw it on a kitchen counter and it would thaw and bite me and my wife and my dogs. And like, I thought you said it killed the thing. Be like Encino Man. Then come. Encino Man. <laughs> You know what movie I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah Polly Shore. Haven't used that I'm as a sorry, Bo, I just I pictured like a like a demolition man frozen <laughs> rattlesnake coming alive. It just sounds horrible. Unfrozen. No, it actually <laughs> it, it was a, a fifty pound bag that you would have minerals in. That's what it was. Okay. Oh, okay. So one of those sacks. Can they bite through uh, it? Like yeah, they can. <laughs> Another <laughs> reason to Dear not Lord. take it home. But usually, when you have their eyes covered and stuff, they just once they're in a bag. Always. I think they calm. Most snakes you can throw. I used to throw yeah. black snakes in backpacks, and they just kind of settle down once you. Oh and, man! Yeah. And just remember, this is all of assumption by me because you know <laughs> I've never done this. And then yeah. you know, at that point, when you're at the moment of truth, you're like, all right, well, this is getting way more serious than you know than I expected. Like, there's. There's a good chance that I, I get bit, but not re- not really. I mean, it was. We just had Manny Puig on, yeah, uh, on the show, and you know, like <laughs> he's been bit by absolutely everything on the planet, including a rattlesnake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lost a finger, yeah. and like between you and Manny, I'm a little bit freaked out now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's a lot more serious than I had, but I don't I, uh, know. You had a 52 inch rattlesnake in a plastic tube. But I mean, if you if you hit him in the head with a rock, though, that's still you can still skin the snake out. It doesn't ruin. Yeah. Like, so main. I had I had my 44 Magnum a snake shot in there, and I was like, that's probably not gonna you know do real well with it, as far as it's gonna you know destroy everything. Yeah. But are you, are you like? Do you, Tell me, punk. Do you feel? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel lucky? <laughs> no. So the, right, right behind the snake's head, like the base of their their neck, again, they uh, they have a soft spot there, and uh, you don't really have to hit that hard, and it uh, it takes care of them. But I mean, I I hit them pretty hard because I didn't want to chance well, anything. Fifty-two yeah. inches of that, yeah. yeah. Now, is this soft yeah. spot? Is that again by assumption? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> From what you read. <laughs> so I, I to put the snake in the bag at that point, but their muscles still move for hours. So yeah, I put it in the bag and rolled it up and it was still creepy. rattling inside the bag. Nope. It's creepy. But Stop was, it. What? But he was dead. Is yeah. it like oh, yeah. still, can its mouth still open and snap and it's going to rattle in my like, dreams tonight. Like, oh yeah. You're not supposed to kiss, kiss it, man. Just, I, 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 I heard all kinds of this stories is, of those things being able to bite till the sun goes down that day till the light goes out of their eyes you know yep. I, if it was me i'd just hold their vent shut and for like I w- i'm holding the, my that's vent the, shut that's the best way to kill <laughs> right now no no disclaimers <laughs> disclaim that how do you do that but you just hold the vent shut while their head's in the tube <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know I that, Bo? No, I didn't. Well, I just had to try. I'd be getting bit trying to find a vent. You know where the vent is on this? We assume no liability. Just roll you. up into sheets. Does anybody know where the vent is on this thing? Someone help me find the vent on this snake. 
So, but, yeah, that, I want to put it in the bag. Someone took it back. Someone's going to go, it's down there. <laughs> down there. Through Don Aaron. And uh, Don Aaron in the backpack. And, and, uh, Threw it in the back of the pickup and and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, in the back of the cooler. Yeah. Later on, I got home and I, I skinned it out. And well, at first, you you got to take off the head of it, so just cut off the head so that there's no venom that can have potential to hit you. Because oh. even when they're dead, you can still get it. Come on, bud. That's yeah. Ugh. So I skinned out the snake, did everything there, got the, gutted it, got the meat. And uh, put the meat in some salt water to kind of marinate a little bit. And um, then went down, fleshed out the skin and everything. It was a long process. I mean, it was, uh, it probably took me three hours or so to do it all. What, what'd you, uh, how'd you eat it? How'd you eat? So I, I put it in salt water overnight in just one big chunk. And then the next day I, I mixed it in with, it was, it was olive oil and Kate and dry Cajun seasoning and just threw it on the grill. The next day was my brother's bachelor party. So we, I threw it on the grill at the bachelor party and, uh, that's cool. And then ate it there. It was, it was super good. Like mm-hmm. I, you just I just like mean, pick you know, it off the bone then, or have you ever had it? Yeah. I've never had rattlesnake. Th- their backbones are so strong. I, I was having trouble cutting through it. Like I wanted to like cut chunks, almost like you would have like ribs yeah. and it wasn't working. Oh, but man. it's real yeah. it's real stringy like it's a um i've had it several times but it's real yeah. stringy you can just peel it like a oh, long nice like a mozzarella st- stick string. absolutely Ooh. that's a great way like to describe it string Ooh. sticks when you were a kid mozzarella. Yeah, I had a mozzarella or like last week i, I had one today they were good <laughs> it's very <laughs> it's, then, it's not similar like that yeah. yeah there's so many bones that run through their back too it was like it, it was it was crazy how much you know, structure that they have in, in their body there. And you had to be careful or you could definitely easily, you know, choke on, nope. choke on one of the bones. You lost me, Bo. Yeah. That's, that's why I don't eat trout. I can't over get all the bones out. Yeah. I'm that's not a, exactly what it reminds <laughs> you of. Like, really? As as structure I don't yeah. like that. I don't if like. You, if you go to like a, a, like a true wild game restaurant, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll have like the farm raised rattlesnakes and things. And they'll, they'll usually do that in like a linguine or some kind of pasta, like Ooh, a fire sounds, pasta. Yeah. yeah it's that really good. Did you get any bones? No, no, so no. If there was no, no bones, I would it's, definitely. No, no, they cook it without the bones, but it's, it's real easy to peel off. You don't have to. I want teriyaki rattlesnake next time. That sounds good. Black pepper <laughs> teriyaki. Bo, do you? I've heard of guys like burying the head after they. I was gonna say, what do you do with the head? Yeah. Just, just can't like flush that thing down the toilet. <laughs> you could. It I just put it back in that sack that I had them in, and threw anything else like the the guts and everything in there. Wrapped it up, put it in another bag, and put it in the garbage. Wonder how many <laughs> times a state cop has pulled somebody over and a guy going. What's in the bag? You don't want to know. Like, why do you why do you have a corn bag on your passenger seat that's moving? What, what's in the corn bag? Don't do touch it. Do you have any firearms? No, I have a rattlesnake. I got a, rattle, I got a rattlesnake in the background. Uh, that, that's, yeah. that's totally different from. I've never. It's never researched rattlesnake hunting yeah. at all, but I've seen it. Like you see it on TV, and that's not how I've seen. Snakes hunted on TV. Well, I brought up Huntington because they have that like Huntington rattlesnake roundup every yeah. year. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge thing. Yeah. That, and um, like that's a big thing down there. And you're right. I think the guys that do that, 
are super territorial and private. Like yeah. once they're signed in, they well, switch I mean, license plates on their trucks and they switch trucks enough, a couple yeah. times. Well, if if you're if you're going to a spot and you find say a few that aren't big enough, you know, but they're legal, but you want them to be bigger the next year. Are you going to tell anybody about that spot? You know, it's kind of... No, you guys have all been to Lake Mead like a hundred times. I'm still not taking it into the best bass holes yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, like, uh, that's, I guess, why they're territorial, you know, because people could come back in no, right. and harvest the ones that you're trying to let grow. Yeah, but, yeah and, and a lot of people just kill them just to kill them really? because, you know, they don't you know, like it's rattlesnake. Are, are and, they... Oh, go ahead. Are, are they timid? Like, do, do they... Are they aggressive or, or they, you know, are they? It, it depends. They normally yeah. want nothing to do with you. Like you okay. hunt them. That makes me feel like better. Hunting something else. Like you're being quiet as you're walking through, you know, not trying to stir anything up because they just want to hide. But when you, if you could step on them or anything else, because sometimes they don't rattle or I caught one that had all the rattles broken off it. So it was trying to rattle, but there was nothing there. And that was, that's kind of scary. Yeah. And it, there's yeah. a creepy feeling. There's, it's a creepy feeling to be walking through the woods or you're getting set up. There's a distinctive sound that a snake makes through the dry leaves. That's, yeah. That's really, it's really distinctive that you're like, oh, that's a snake. Like it doesn't sound like your squirrel. You know, it, it's, if you've been close enough to one that takes off under the leaves, it's, it's very eerie feeling because it, mm-hmm. it has this really distinctive, weird sound yeah. to it. And you know exactly what it is. And the best thing to do is just like freeze and figure out where it's going. So you don't run at it. But the yeah. rattlesnakes I'm that I've seen sure in the I'm woods have not rattled at me either. They really? really wanted nothing to do with me unless you provoke them. But well, the, my the big, rattling's kind of like a warning. I well, guess. it is. And is that's it? my big take. I like rattlesnakes. I think they're very uh, genuinely, like they're a cool creature because they give you a warning other mm-hmm. than a copperhead. It just waits with a big smile on its face and going, come on, come on, come on a little closer. <laughs> like the other one's telling you get away from it. And the other one's like, oh, just come closer. I'll bite you in the ankle. You know, cause you can't yeah, see, I, they can't see them. Their camouflage is amazing. Oh yeah. They're no, they're so tough to see a lot of times, you know, even when they're in the rocks and everything, they blend in good. And, uh, they just want nothing to do with people. But what, what also, one way that makes them aggressive is when they're shedding their skin, they go blind, or I don't know if it's a hundred percent blind, but they go, their eyes get like this milky film over it, and you, and you can't even see their eyes. It's just like this blue film, and they're super aggressive at that point. I mean, oh. if someone you know turned the lights out on me and was kind of poking me, I'd get really upset too. Sure, but <laughs> their defense mechanism goes up. I'm sure, absolutely. So, yeah. When you're doing this, do you have snake boots? I have chaps. I need to get a pair of boots because the chaps are really hot and heavy. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's funny. Like, we're, we never, uh, normally I don't, and I know these guys don't. When we're out in the woods, you know, we just wear our hiking boots or, uh, like muck boots. Uh, yeah, yeah, like our, boots. our Solomons or whatever. And, uh, so it's like we never really care until you're hunting rattlesnakes that you in the same area you know yeah until you start hunting rattlesnakes that you would put those boots on well we run through cornfields constantly and they're they if they're in them cornfields you'd never hear them as much noise as you make through going oh through my. there right 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 oh absolutely my. yeah and then so to, to go back to your to your original question there about like if i leave them um leave them go another year or anything i i can't really answer that because 
I've only been rattlesnake hunting two years. Sure. So I went 2015 and I went this past year and I don't know if I'll do it, you know, again, it was just kind of one of those things that I wanted to do. Yeah. And I, I may end up getting a permit just to go out and catch them. But like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't really care to, to kill them. I mean, it was good to eat and it was cool to get the, you know, the skin from them and do all that. It's, but, it's a bucket list thing. It's a hundred percent a bucket list thing. And, and, you know, and plus you can get a lot of like preseason scouting in and all the things, mm-hmm. you know I mean? There's a million reasons to do it, but nowhere not to walk when you're trying to check cameras, like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. one of those things. So. But I don't think they taste that good. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. good, but it's not, not worth wrestling. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was drinking all day, so it was, you know, at a bathroom party. So maybe that <laughs> maybe it didn't taste good. good. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe yeah. I didn't even cook it. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it tasted pretty good to me with the Cajun seasoning and olive oil. I mean, right you on. add that to just about anything, it's going to taste pretty good. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So, Bo, looking forward to the fall, what do you have going on? So, actually, in a little over a month, I'm going to be heading to Colorado to chase elk again in uh, September for a week to two weeks. I'm not exactly sure yet. It all It all kind of depends with work right now. Um, uh, I'm going to be getting laid off at some point and, uh, and not to, to go into the personal side of things, but I'm not exactly sure when that is. And that all depends on, you know, when I'll be hunting, Sure, but, uh, I'm, if I can, I'm going to go out for as long as possible until I can, you know, hopefully kill an elk. But while I'm out there, I also am going to pick up a black bear tag. So you can buy bear tag over the counter. And last year I saw 17 different bear and only like three of them were black. The rest of them were color phased. Shut up. You got to kidding me. That's pretty cool. You won't see yeah. any this year when you get to tag. Hey, so I bet you any money I don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it works. So your elk so, tag, is that is that by a drawing, a point system? Or like how did how did that work? So actually that most of Colorado and the area I go is over the counter. So you can walk into a Walmart with your hunter safety card and your credit card and you can buy an elk license. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah, so or and, you and just in Colorado, not to hunt elk. No, no, I wasn't. No, DK was just in Colorado. Yeah, I was just in Colorado a couple weeks ago, hanging out. Oh, nice. Did you? Uh, is that your first time out there? Or have you been there before? Uh, I was there uh, about ten years ago, but this is the first time to really explore and get up in the mountains a little bit. And you know, we were around. Uh, we went to Red Rocks and that area. So golden. Yeah. And so it was a very nice area. Yeah. Okay. So right around the Denver area. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Now, Colorado is just such a beautiful place. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to go back and um, I'm going to be going by myself for a while, actually. So I'm going to backpack into an area by myself and uh, hunt for, I'm not sure how many days again, depends on the vacation. And then I'm meeting up with a group of guys that are coming out um, to go for the, the remainder of the week or for or the next week. Excuse me. Gotcha. I was just, yeah, I was, you just answered my question. I was going to see if your uh, brother and cousin were going out with you again. No, my, uh, my brother's going to be on his honeymoon in Alaska actually. And 
And, uh, and my cousin, he drew a mule deer tag down in New Mexico that he's going down with another buddy of mine. So I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be rolling solo for a little while until I meet up with some guys, which it has its, uh, you know, challenges and uncertainties in my own head with doing that. But sure. I got to ask real quick, but not, you know, cause we're running up on time a little bit. And one of the things I wanted to ask earlier was, and when we talked a lot about out west and we got into rattlesnake hunting, which was all super cool. But when you actually hunt whitetails here, do you hunt only PA? Like, do you hunt out in your area around Pittsburgh? Um, No, actually, I don't really hunt here much at all. So I'm from north central Pennsylvania and uh, not going to give exact longitude latitude, but <laughs> I hunt. I hunt. It's like uh, a requirement for this podcast, by the way. G- yeah, GPS I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards, I promise. It'll be, it'll be accurate and truthful like most hunters I are. Went to, I went to Leeward Tree Stand, by the way. Okay. You got it. Anything you need. Thanks, man. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so I, I hunt, uh, I hunt like what I consider mountain bucks. So just big woods deer. And that's kind of where my bread and butter is and where I have most of the experience doing. So I, I tend to hunt Pennsylvania a lot, um, with in bow season, mostly I just, I like bow hunting. And so I, I love hunting up there as well as I also go to Ohio and, um, and Southern Ohio. So a lot of the, the mountainous areas there, when people think of Ohio, you think of, you know, flatland and cornfields, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's a lot of big woods there that, that I also hunt. So I, I split up my whitetail season between those two areas. Gotcha. And, but you actually had a pretty good year. Was it last year or two years ago? You, you doubled up. Yeah. Last year I, oh, wow. I, I shot a, shot a five and a half year old Pennsylvania buck, Nate, eight point and uh, November 8th. And next day I, I skinned him up and everything, got him hung up, and then I drove all night out to Ohio and uh, just pulled in. Basically, drove all night, hiked up into the this this very steep area, hiked way up into this mountain where I'd scouted in the spring, and uh, climbed a tree, sat there all day, and then right before dark, I I shot a a nice thirteen point or twelve point, excuse me. Wow. That nice. came in. So I had a I had a really good couple days. And that was I mean, I had hunted about fourteen days straight before that without having any luck. So but uh it all ended up working out for me. Ohio's a secret gem that most people don't know about. I mean it's and we want to keep it that way, so we'll cut this out. But Ohio's a secret gem <laughs> most people don't know. There's a lot of really beautiful country in Ohio and big bucks. Like there's big deer. Uh, they just don't have the number of hunters that Pennsylvania has. So, and there's a lot of public land there. Um, yeah. No, if you want to put the work Ohio in. Sucks. Ohio sucks. It's full of hunters. I, I <laughs> barely move. Like literally. Well, that's what I meant. Guy, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> he faced one way. I face the other. It's you know, worse than the Orange it. Army, Bo saying. Yeah, bless your heart. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a hard statement to be able to even lie about. <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You but, know, but but especially you, when you shoot a twelve pointer out there. <laughs> yeah, but no, and, and, but actually, I mean, like the 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 buck I shot in Pennsylvania was a lot older and just bigger body. I mean, the, the deer in PA was had a nice rack, but like the body on it was so impressive. And, uh, just, just giant, giant buck. But so in both of those areas, I hunt again, big woods. So there's no 
crop fields. There's no anything. I just kind of hike back into some areas and in, in public land and, uh, and, and hunt those deer. What's a, what's a quick tip for our hunters or our listeners for hunting big woods? I mean, it's a lot of that in Pennsylvania. So one quick tip you could give our listeners on that. Well, I would say it'd be time of year and I would say hunt the rut. And I mean, everyone, I mean, that's, you know, stated across the board, hunt the rut, hunt the rut. But it, it, that's a hard, it's a hard to answer that real simply, but I'll give you two scenarios and what I would do in either of them. The rut in most of Pennsylvania, I hunt creek bottoms. Yeah, I hunt, you know, like feeder stream creek bottoms where you have pine trees going through there, beer, ponds, everything like that. That's how I hunt because they travel that a lot. And if I go to Ohio where it's a little bit narrower creek bottoms and the wind is way too swirly to be able to hunt it, I, uh, I'll, I'll hunt the saddles. So where two points of the, or like where a ridge has a low spot, I hunt mm-hmm. just over the edge of those saddles because the bucks tend to bed out on the points uh, about three quarters away up towards the top. And I'll go on that same level over the saddles and some of the, the younger deer and the does will walk the top of that ridge, but those big bucks never like to be skylined. So they'll stay just over the edge and That's come great through. Tip. Yeah. Yeah. So Good stuff. I've had a lot of success doing that in Ohio specifically in Pennsylvania. A lot of, at least a lot of the areas that, that I hunt in North central Pennsylvania, when you get these feeder stream creek bottoms, Okay, you know, they'll have, you know, we have a lot of beavers in Pennsylvania. They just, they, they dam up the spots. And I'll hunt right on those beaver ponds. Like, I'll, I'll pick a tree that's, like, with my back to the beaver pond. Because no matter what, the water is warmer than the air. So it pulls your thermals straight up. Nice. And, and you, and you're, as long as you have the wind somewhat coming in your face, it hits that water and goes straight up. So you're, it, it helps uh, deal with some of the swirling winds that you get in and uh, the other thermals that you get in hunting in creek bottoms. And if the beaver, if the beaver is busy too, I mean, it, if, if you're hunting there and there's activity going on, sometimes that can keep a deer's attention away from you. Like would, oh, one, yeah. one of the places, I mean, one of the places that I hunt now has a lot of farm activity with cows running around. They're not far from me. And it's weird how, when the deer come down through the woods, 20, 30 yards inside the wood line, I mean, they're used to the cows, but they're watching them. You know, it's, it's yeah. just something. Yeah. Anyhow. So yeah. if anybody wants to find you, Bo, and uh, and wants to look up the, the, the GPS coordinates that you're about to give everybody for your Ohio stands, <laughs> how could they find you and find that information? Um, you can't find me anywhere. No, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't no, come you looking for me in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me i have a website for the podcast uh the online journal and apparel company called east meets west hunt.com and uh you can also check uh check me out on instagram on at at east meets west hunt as well as my personal page which is just at bow.martonic gotcha and in the the podcast itself can be like stitcher google play where can we yeah, find you can you can find that either on my website okay. or on iTunes, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, um, Spotify, YouTube, any of those channels. You can find the podcast. Gotcha. Well, I can't wait to see what you got up, you know, in up and coming years. You say you have uh, seven episodes out 
and um i can't wait to see what you're going to come up with next so i really appreciate it you yeah. coming on yeah man if uh, i'm not sure exactly when this is going to air but i have that's a pretty good guest coming up here soon uh tim burnett from solo hunter will be on this coming monday which will be a pretty pretty good one to listen to cool awesome, awesome. all right guys where can they find us you can find us on all social media by searching Rut and River Pursuit Podcast. We're also on YouTube at Rut and River Pursuit Podcast. Uh, you can find us on all the podcast apps, iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher Google, Google Play. Castbox. Yes. Castbox. Follow us individually. Look for us. We're all out there. Check out at Stevie Miser. It's not Stevie Miser. <laughs> it's Steve Maybe Miser. my grandma would search that. <laughs> Yeah, little Stevie Miser. Yeah, it's yeah. little Stevie Miser. <laughs> Boys, it was another fun week. Yeah, great guest, great company. We'll see you. All right, later. Awesome, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Peace. I mean, I got out at a rest stop to, to uh, use the restroom there and start walking. I'm like breathing heavy. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. You know, and yeah. uh, welcome so to my world. <laughs> <laughs> And that's in the Chesapeake Bay area. Yeah, it's at sea level. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was just like, he's like, you should get a hold of uh, my buddy sometime. They have a podcast and explain it to me and everything. So that was, was, it's just funny. I'm glad you took his advice and got a hold of us. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have my podcast going. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Mike. (laughs) You still there? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Damn it, he hung up. Oh, man, again. Call him back. This always happens. <laughs>